Hi, everybody. Welcome to this Thanksgiving edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too, Mike. And since we don't see our families, we only see each other, I'm happy to spend this moment with you. All right. Well, we are here today on this Thanksgiving Thursday to talk about Packers versus Rams. It will be a 3.25 p.m. late afternoon Sunday kickoff at Lambeau Field. And we started to talk about this on our last show, looking at this Rams season here in 2021. Statistically, what really stands out, Wes, is this team started out 7-1 and through the first eight games. And in those first eight games, the Rams were held under 26 points only once in that entire time. But they now come to Lambeau Field on a two-game losing streak, and in those two losses, they scored a total of 26 points. Love that. Um, so you have to believe that through this bye week, which now the Rams have had following the two straight losses, priority number one for Sean McVay and the Rams is to get that offense back on track and back to what it was doing earlier in the year. And, and more specifically, just get Matthew Stafford back into a rhythm again. I mean, that, that's sort of been the thing with this season is that, you know, they've kind of gone as Matthew Stafford has gone. And, and they've had, you know, the injuries at the beginning of the season, losing Cam Akers right away. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Henderson's been a guy that's been around for a number of years for them now, but they had to kind of weather some stuff. Okay, now you lose Robert Woods. Uh, you add in Odell Beckham, but the offense still doesn't really look the way you want it to look heading into the bye week. Uh, I really look for Stafford to be the, the, the key cog in this. And for Green Bay, they have to hope that it's one more week here where he just isn't that big dominant passer that he was earlier in the season. Mike, you and I, we've covered Stafford for so long. Him, in your case, your entire career, you've seen this kid. When he's on fire, when he's clicking, when yep. he's in rhythm, there aren't many better in the National Football League, certainly definitely from an arm talent perspective. But he gets into these lulls from time to time where things just don't look right. And if he doesn't have the resources around him, which a lot of times in his career he hasn't, the offense tends to dip. Yeah, and statistically, it's just it's it's really something. Again, going back to these two losses, the back-to-back losses the Rams are coming off of here, Matthew Stafford's been sacked 14 times all season, half of them seven in the back-to-back losses coming in. He's thrown eight interceptions, half of them four in the back-to-back losses here coming in. I mean, just everything about this offense um, has, uh, has taken a dip, and maybe for the Rams – the bye week came at the right time for them. They needed something to, you know, to some time to rest, recover, get themselves out of the rut or whatever. I think from the Packers' perspective here, you look at you mentioned Henderson obviously as the running back. We'll see what uh, you know what the Rams are going to do with OBJ and everything moving forward. Cooper Cup is the guy who really has made this offense go the bulk of the season. He's got 85 catches, 1,141 yards, 10 touchdowns. Even in um, these two losses the Rams have had, he still had double-digit catches and basically 100-yard games, not the big explosive plays. And I think from Green Bay's defensive perspective, this is one of those games where you go into it saying, hey, they're going to make some plays. They're going to they're they're going to move the chains. They're going to move the football. You just can't give up the explosives. You can't give up the 25 and the 35 yard passes that allow them to take the big chunks of yardage and get down the field in a hurry. Absolutely, it's an excellent point you raise, and I made the argument all year long that I feel like Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the game right now. He's at the peak of his powers. If if it's not Adams though, it's Cooper Cup, 
And and certainly looking at what Justin Jefferson did last week, he's on his way to that distinction as well. But for sure, Cup has been such a consistent producer for them for so many years now. But he's really been able to take his game to the next level with Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. To be at over 1,100 yards already, and we're not even in December, really speaks to his dominance throughout the course this year. And much like Jefferson last week, while they're different types of receivers, if you allow him to get going against you, you're in for a long afternoon. Now, losing Robert Woods is a huge hit for this offense, but as many headlines as were driven towards Odell Beckham Jr., I really like Van Jefferson. This is a young man that came in here. He has big play potential, and I feel like him being able to play off of some of the things Cup does is more of a It'd be disrespectful to call him a possession receiver, but as a guy that's going to draw a lot of attention, catch a lot of passes, Jefferson's can kind of give them that home run threat there as well. So seeing this diversification of resources and also how Beckham is going to look being implemented into this offense coming off the bye yeah. are three really intriguing pieces here for the Rams offense. Because while Henderson has been able to run the ball effectively, I think ultimately the biggest indicator of where this offense is going to be is if they can get the ball moving downfield and if you get those 20-plus yard passing plays in, the, in this fold. Yeah, absolutely. And and whether it's been you know the Rams offense or the Lions offense, that's sort of what Matthew Stafford has, has hung his hat on his entire career, right, is being able to make the explosive play to get the defense on its heels and then finish those drives. That's, uh, that, that's what Matthew Stafford has done his entire career. Shifting gears to the defensive side of the ball, it starts up front, right, with this Rams defense. You look at, obviously, Aaron Donald, um, I believe, is a three-time NFL defensive player yeah. of the year now. And then on the edges, on either side of him, you have Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, a, a midseason acquisition. This is a defensive front that is tough to handle. Um, they scheme things up so that they make it really difficult for you to just decide you're going to double-team Aaron Donald on every single play. They they scheme things up so he gets single block yeah. and is able to have the impact that they want him to have. And with the Packers obviously making another adjustment here on the offensive line, Yash Nyman's going to go in at left tackle with Elton Jenkins now out for the season. Um, this this is really, to me, the key matchup in this game is the Packers' offensive line against this defensive front of the Rams. It is, and there's so many elements to this that are going to be intriguing. If we had a few more resources, we could actually play back five years of unscripteds right now where I was reiterating how impressed I've been by Leonard Floyd. Uh, I felt like this guy coming out uh, right off the bat was going to be a premier pass rusher in this league probably didn't reach the level of dominance that I probably would have thought he would have been as, what, the ninth overall pick the year he got drafted? Yeah. But was very productive in Vic Fangio's defense and what they did. He's been able to breathe new life into his career in L.A. And as much as we're going to talk about Donald here in a second and as big of a storyline as that's going to be going into the game, Leonard Floyd against Yash Nyman, Leonard Floyd against how the Packers defend him is really something that's going to be important to track because – he can wreck the game off the edge. And especially with Aaron Rodgers dealing with this toe injury, you got to be cognizant of that. Donald is a problem. But the thing about it is he's still a three-tech, middle-of-the-defensive front player. You can, you can double him easier. You can throw additional resources at him. You can tell your running back to keep an eye on him. Right. Those elements are ways in which the Packers have beaten Donald before. I think the issues they've had against this defense going all the way back to 18 
when they played them at, at the Coliseum yeah. is if you get the edge rush going as well. So uh, it's a great matchup. I mean, Ashawn Robinson's a guy I was really high on in my in my drafts uh, when I get asked to make the predictions for who the Packers take in the first round. Robinson was my guy, whatever it was, four or five years ago. I think he's a good compliment. I think they have a lot of pieces defensively, but Leonard Floyd is the one that probably is going to have my eyes on the most on Sunday. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like to make too much of this because, because I think it gets overblown a little bit, but I am going to make a point here about a couple of guys with regard to this being the, the playoff rematch from, from last January yeah. where the Rams came in and, and saw their season end. I don't think players, for the most part, they don't get too hung up on you know sort of that revenge angle or getting back at somebody. But when I look at Aaron Donald... And the fact that he was not healthy for that game in January last year. He was dealing with the rib injury. Yep. He was not 100%. You know that he wants, I think anyway, that he really wants to show something to this Packers offense in this it, game. And Elton he, Jenkins got the better of him in that game yeah, too. He, yeah, so. yeah he, he absolutely did. And the other guy I'll say too, because we saw him throw the little temper tantrum after Devontae Adams yep. got the touchdown there at the goal line, is Jalen Ramsey. Yep. This is a guy, and now he leads the Rams with three interceptions, tremendous talent as, as a cover corner, one of the best in the league, no question about it. And this is a guy that you know when the Packers are in the red zone, he wants Devontae Adams. He wants to stop Devontae Adams from getting a touchdown. And, again, I don't like to overplay sort of the revenge angle and looking back and whatever, but those two guys in particular, what we saw in the game last January when the Rams season ended and the Packers moved on, those are two guys to definitely watch on Sunday. Well, in, in this – you know, this secondary that L.A. has is just incredible. Now, they don't have the most picks in the National Football League, but it's a top four, top three type pass defense. Um, Jalen Ramsey's a big part of that because yep. he's one of the few guys in this league where you can just ask him to go up against any prolific receiver and have him shadow him sideline to sideline, and Ramsey's going to be able to do it. And honestly, that's what I'm expecting in this matchup with the Packers and, and just asking him to fulfill that assignment against Devontae Adams and allow them to, to address resources otherwhere, in other areas. But the other thing I want to keep an eye on in this game, Mike, is the Packers' running offense. Because as difficult as it's been to pass against the Rams, the way they rush, the way that Aaron Donald rushes, sometimes there's a jet element to it. There's a pinning the ears back, and sometimes that can lead to gaps being unfilled. I really want to see if Green Bay with A.J. Dillon can pound the ball against this front. I think him winning against those inside linebackers, that is going to dictate where this game goes. Because if you can't get the run established against the Rams, they have the type of perimeter group when it's third and long, they're going to be pitching you a shutout. So yeah. you, you got to be able to do that. I, I think that's going to be a huge, huge element to whoever is able to come out victorious. Yeah, absolutely. As, as the old saying goes, the best defensive fronts in the league – they can play run on the way to the quarterback, yes. right? And Aaron Donald is a guy who can do that, but that is something that is difficult to do for 60 snaps. Yep. I mean, to do it all the time. And as you say, if, if, there is, if there is a gap or if there is a crease and if the Packers can hit it, then suddenly you start to keep that pass rush a little bit a little bit more honest. It's, it's going to be an interesting chess match in that regard. And it's the only weakness right now in this L.A. defense. I mean, this L.A. defense is probably one or two in the league if it isn't for the fact with their, what they're giving up against the run. I think they're maybe 24th in the league against the run this year. So. But, even, but even with that, they're only giving up, I believe, it's 4.0 yards yep. per carry, which from an average per carry standpoint Very ranks low. near the top of the league. So yep. um, quickly here, Wes, some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard 
hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, quickly here, Wes, keys to victory for the Packers. I've sort of, I've already kind of mentioned the two that are on my mind the most. One is limiting the explosive plays by the Rams offense, and the other is to protect Aaron Rodgers and that injured toe from this Rams defensive front. I think those are the two biggest things. If the Packers have enough success in those two areas, I like their chances of getting a win here. Yeah, I do too, Mike. And I just feel like it's every single week it's kind of become a broken record now where I'm sitting here saying protect the football and I'm saying you know get after the opposing quarterback. Last week, I guess I was wrong. And I have to admit I was wrong because I think the Packers did pressure Kirk Cousins well, uh, and it still really didn't matter. Cousins was able to get the ball out quickly, but they had the opportunity for the takeaways and they didn't execute on it. Absolutely. That's where the same thing comes into play here against Matthew Stafford. They've seen Matthew Stafford a lot. Uh, these, These defenders, the Kenny Clarks, the Dean Lowry's, they've played him a dozen times now. So being able to get after him, not allow him to get comfortable and forcing that ball out, getting him throwing off the back of his foot. That's where Green Bay is going to have success in this game. And, and I feel like last week, Mike, defensively, it was a letdown for them. They had chances to be able to really put their foot on the pedal, and they weren't able to do it. Now, you can't expect them to do that every 17 games, right. but it probably was the difference between a win or a loss. I'm interested to see how this group bounces back. I'm interested to see how they can counteract all these perimeter weapons. And frankly, just being able to make them one-dimensional, like they did last week with Delvin Cook for a majority of that game. Don't allow Daryl Henderson or Sony Michelle to be able to get going and put this game in Matthew Stafford's hands. Yeah, I think it was interesting. If, if I'm not mistaken on the timing, I believe it was on Sunday night, pretty much right around the time that the Packers' plane would have been landing coming back from Minnesota that Adrian Amos, one of the defensive captains, tweeted – it's not about what happens, it's about how you respond right. to it. And that's where this Packers defense is right now because it had been playing so well, was at such a high level. They took a big punch in the mouth, a haymaker, whatever you want to call it, in Minneapolis. So now it's, a, it's, it's about the response. It's about what happens next. And they have a heck of a challenge here with this, uh, with this Rams offense coming in. With regard to other games on Sunday – First, a game that will be going on at the same time as Packers-Rams with the 325 kickoff is Minnesota is out at San Francisco. Interesting here because the Vikings the Vikings have gone to L.A. to play the Chargers. They got a win there. They came back home. Yep. They beat the Packers. Now they're going back to the West Coast to play San Francisco. And the Vikings two and a half games behind the Packers in the NFC North. From the Vikings' perspective, they're looking at this feeling like, okay, we're a hot team. Our offense is rolling. We've scored, I believe, if I'm doing the math quickly in my head, 61 points in the in their two victories here. They feel like they've got things going. They go out to San Francisco and get a win, and they're watching the scoreboard to see if the Rams can knock off the knock off the Packers at Lambeau, and then suddenly they're only a game and a half back. 
Packers have a have the task here of uh, of of keeping the Vikings at bay, regardless of uh, of what happens out in San Francisco. And San Francisco's risen from the dead a little bit. I yeah, mean, they've been able to kind of find themselves. The downfield passing game is working again for them. You know, Brandon Ayuk, who I was talking to you about week three, was off to such a slow start to the season. He started to reemerge as a big playmaker in this offense. So. Seeing how, you know, San Francisco getting their offense going again against a Minnesota defense that's giving up a lot of yards is going to be interesting to watch in addition to the fact of just watching two teams that are on the, the boundary, the, the peripheral, the peripheral of the playoff race right now. Which one wants to finally become a, a winning ball club and who could potentially mount kind of a comeback here late in the season? It's not been easy for either of these teams. They've been battle-tested based on their division, based on the, the way their schedule's lined up. It's competitive five and five records right now, but from Green Bay's perspective, certainly, you know, you would like to see the the Vikings kind of fall back a little bit after that win last week. Yeah, and the other one I think that we'll be watching on Sunday, uh, prior to the Packers and Rams kicking off, is a very interesting um, interconference game, cross conference game. Tampa Bay on a short week travels to Indianapolis. Yeah. The Colts are as hot as any team in the NFL right now with Jonathan Taylor and what he's doing, and and that defense is playing some solid football. The Colts are thrusting themselves into the AFC playoff picture. And no, I didn't bring up this game just because of Jonathan Taylor, but, uh, but I had to, I had to anyway. Right. But the Buccaneers, it's for the, in- it's for the diehards, for the inbox. Yeah. For there. the inboxers, you'll get, uh, you'll get where that's coming from. But Tampa Bay, um, one of these, you know, handful of teams in the NFC with three losses and, uh, and they've got a tough matchup here on the road on a short week after having played, on Monday night, um, on a really interesting matchup here with uh, with significant implications for both teams in each conference. Can I uh, make a little bit of a shout-out here? Even though he'll sure. never watch this show, it's I'm going to give him a lot of credit. Why not? My buddy Scott Vency, your former co-worker. Yes. Scott is in a keeper league for fantasy football. He has Jonathan Taylor. He drafted Jonathan Taylor however long ago now. He was saying to me, because he watches and follows them pretty pretty much as diehard as anyone in the state of Wisconsin is going to follow the Indianapolis Colts. He was saying to me that, you know, at some point Frank Reich needs to give him the ball (laughs) and then just get out of the way. Yep. Just be like, this is our running back. We don't need a committee. We don't need to put it in, in, you know, Phillip Rivers hands or Carson Wentz's hands or Jacoby Brissett or Peyton Manning's just give the ball (laughs) to Jonathan Taylor. They're as hot as anyone in the league, Mike, because they're feeding their running back. Yeah. And, and you and I joke, and to let the people in who don't watch it, don't read Inbox, I, I had some real reservations about Taylor. But as it turned out, I think a lot of those reservations were based on the fact of how he was being utilized. And now you're seeing them trust him with this offense. 1,100 yards already on the season. He doesn't even have 200 carries. I mean, <laughs> this guy can play. Yeah. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, I mean, I'm not being disrespectful defending NFC, NFC champions. They've had some ups and downs this season. Yep. They've had some moments where they've looked like the defending champs. They've had some moments where they've looked really old. So Indianapolis, man, to be able to, to, to rally the troops here, that's, a, that's an interesting game for them to determine, hey, how much of a contender are we? And, and that's a division that you know, can really be anyone's. Yeah, I think, I think that's a result in terms of an AFC versus NFC matchup. That's a result that's going to have, uh, have some implications in the, in the playoff races on, on both sides there. Can I, uh, because we don't have an ombudsman, like I think it used to be on Around the Horn, they used to have like the ombudsman that yeah. corrected people at the end of the show. I got to correct myself. Um, the Rams weren't 24th in run. I had that wrong. So I just want to make sure that's right. I still think the path to victory is the same for Green Bay. 
But actually, I think they're like yeah. 11th it's and 12th. it's interesting statistically because of where they rank in terms of total rushing yards given up, but yet the yards per carry they're giving yeah, up. It's is, like fourth. Is, yeah. yeah, is like up at fourth or yeah. fifth in the but league. But even the so, rushing yards, yeah, isn't it's, that bad. it's it's one of those things that doesn't that doesn't quite match up statistically. But but I will say you still need to get the run going because otherwise they will pin their ears back and then it's going to be a long yeah. afternoon for you. I think this really does need to be an AJ Dillon type game. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see. If that happens, but for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of Sunday's big game from Lambeau Field. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving.